assume you uh, the delay to this morning had a lot to do with your uh, the extent of your uh, exit interviews yesterday. Uh, <laughs> extent, but numbers of exit meetings. Um, you know, what we all don't realize is the size of our roster at the end of the year because of injuries. I think we went through 30 different players, 29, 30 players. So that takes uh, a good chunk of time and um, you have to do it properly. And, and I, exit meetings are, are always interesting. So I think a lot of times you, uh, you get from people what, you, what they think you want to hear. Um, so it takes some time to poke and prod and, and really get down to the, the nuts and bolts of what people are thinking. And, and our group was, was very honest and frank yesterday. I, I like that. And it gives us an insight of, of what their mindset's like, and um, it'll help uh, Peter make some decisions moving forward. I know you'll take time to evaluate through the summer, but just right at the very end here, can you reflect a little bit on the season? Are there... <coughs> Can you point out maybe a thing or two that you, you think you can feel good about that you accomplished with this yeah. group and maybe a thing or two that you, you feel like you could have done more? Well, there's, <coughs> there's certainly a number of things both ways. Um, we had some goals coming into to camp. Um, brand new staff, uh, new management team, uh, which was uh, a benefit to a lot of people. I think it was a fresh slate. It was an opportunity for us to get to know them, and, and when I say them, the players, but also the, the staff around the arena and, and people that affect our day and, and potentially our outcomes. So, um, you know, we wanted to establish boundaries and what was acceptable and wasn't acceptable. Um, I believe we've accomplished that to a certain extent. Um, there's still the fact that it gets away on us sometimes and they have to be reminded. But I will say even the, the Stanley Cup champs go through that. So we, that was one of our goals. Secondly, we wanted to establish a foundation um, and when I say that, it was almost more technical than anything, but also a, an attitudinal foundation around the, the team. And that begins with the, the, the coaching staff and everybody involved and then filters on down through the players. But uh, we were able to establish that. Uh, the players now have an idea, understand our terminology, um, and um, how we want to play or how we'd like to play how we think we need to play to, to be successful. Um, now it's about taking that further and growing it and uh, improving the execution, um, improving the skill set that, that needs to go into that. But I think we have established that foundation. Um, another one of our goals, and you heard me right from day one at training camp, talking about the mental strength of individuals, uh, lines, pairs, and the collective group, holding your hand a little bit longer. and. Um, I do believe there was an improvement in that area. We've got a long way to go um, in that area, but I still think we're, we've done a better job. Uh, we've been able to stay in games a little bit longer. Uh, we've been able to play against the bigger, stronger teams um, and improved as the year went on in those areas. But I think there's some, uh, some of those areas are lacking when it comes to uh, in-game management, um, the highs and lows within um, between TV timeouts, six-minute segments of a game, uh, falling behind and, and getting down a little bit, um, you know, letting the energy level slip when, uh, when it has to go up. And those are all things that we need to work on. Winning breeds confidence in those, but you need them to win, so it's a chicken-egg thing. Um, you know, and then we, we also wanted to establish relationships with the players. Um, anybody who's been in a classroom knows that not every student comprehends, learns, responds uh, the same way. They're, they have different emotional levels and, and you've got to learn who you need to poke and prod and, 
and for lack of a better term, kick. And then there's other guys that uh, that need a little more love and a little more hug. And, and what you're doing is looking for positive results. Um, you know, collectively, there's the kick moments. We had that after Calgary. Uh, there were some hug moments during the year uh, where we did some things really well. But individuals react differently, and, and we have a better idea of um, how they respond to certain situations, how we can um, at least attempt to get the best out of them. So we've, we've done that. And then the last thing is we wanted to be able to collect information visually and, and data to, to assess the group as the year was moving on. And, and that's the mode we're in right now. We're, we're able to assess, review, uh, look at strengths and weaknesses, where we need to improve. And, and um, when I say that, I'm not just talking about the players. I'm talking about us. It starts with us as a coaching staff. And uh, we'll spend the next two days really evaluating us. Uh, from the head coach on through the assistants, uh, systematic stuff, what we need to change, how we applied it, um, how we dealt with it. Was the message clear? Was it uh, convoluted? Um, we did that throughout the year, but this really gives us a, a chance to dig in depth, and then we'll go to the players. But is that the biggest challenge, that because of all the injuries collectively at group, were you able to glean all the information you wanted out of this season? No, they, you know, they, one of the disappointing things, uh, amongst others, was the fact that uh, we just couldn't get or stay healthy. Um, and we have to look at that as well. We have to look at why. Did we rest enough? Did we, uh, you know, were we over aggressive in some practice situations? Did with nutrition, uh, our work off the ice, did anything like that cause um, injuries? Uh, but to answer your question, no, you never, we never really had our group together and got it to roll a little bit. Uh, but I think we saw snippets of it enough to know individuals and uh, how they react and respond in, in certain situations. Normally, you've got a team like, say, in San Jose, the core guys stay together, and you, you build around that, so you really get here's the first liners, and you, you can be trading some fairly well, we, pieces, and you're saying, okay, what am I going to have with? It's called 10 years of not being in the playoffs. So um, whether I think it'll be tough or not, it's it has to be accepted. Um, you know, we all have to accept that. And um, there there isn't a team that stays intact. Certainly not the 29th place team that stays completely intact. And um, you know, I, I think I know Peter addressed um, the the change part of it and pieces that may be needed to to create that change. But there's a lot of different ways of doing it. Um, I know he and his staff are going to work real hard on it, but um, we have to we have to make strides. Um, you know, 29 is 29, no matter how we want to paint it or, or anything. 29 is 29, and there has to be improvement. Well, there's a lot of things. The overall game. Um, at the end of the night, it doesn't matter. It does matter the input and the effort and all that type of stuff. But when you're driving home, you you know what the score was. And it needs to favor us more than it doesn't. I look at our goals against, and our goals against came down a lot this year. Our, our disparity between goals for and goals against was uh, uh, drastically improved, but it didn't bump us up in the standing. So that tells us we got a long ways to go. Um, I was doing a little stat work this morning, and there's only two playoff teams. I think we ended up minus 42 or in that range. There's two playoff teams that. Um, that made the playoffs that had a minus differential. And, and I think, in my opinion, that's odd. Um, you know, minus seven and minus 13. So if, if those are the benchmarks and those are the numbers, we got to shave 30, 30 goals off. 
that's still a third of goal a night, and that's a that's a tough thing to do. We've got to improve defensively in that area. Offensively, we had 203 goals. Uh, the low benchmark for playoff teams this year were 209, 216, 218 in that range. So that tells me if we if we want to reach the low benchmark, we've got to we've got to find a way for 10 more goals or 12 more goals. So uh, 30 shaved off, 10 more. That's a that's a half a goal night improvement that we need just to to reach the playoffs. Um, now there's a number of ways that can happen. Defensively, we have to get better. We have to get bigger, stronger. We have to. Um, play more consistent, our starts can be better. I can go on and on a list of, uh, of numerous things because it's overall. Um, for me, and I talked about this after the game in um, Vancouver the other night, um, the effort that the players gave us wasn't in question um, that often. They came and they played. Um, they gave us uh, a pretty honest effort night in and night out. There were some stinkers, and we talked about it. But again, every team goes through that. Um, the issue for me is the, is more the game management and situational play, understanding time of game. Um, some of those you could call habits, uh, bad or good, um, have to improve. And I think that's where we can can improve the most as far as the goals and goals for and goals against ratio outside of improving the roster and bringing uh, you know more talented people in in different areas. Well, Connor was a, a tremendous leader this year um, in his short time with us. His presence alone when he walks into the room, um, and he knows it, uh, he exudes confidence. He carries himself properly. Um, I think leaders attract people. Uh, you want to be in his corner. You want to be around him. You, uh, uh, and leaders, when, when they attract people, they care about people too, and Connor has that going. Um, he's still 19 years old. Um, I think he's close to being uh, the guy and, and ready for it. Uh, we'll talk more over the summer with that. He'll need a very, very good supporting crew around him. And, um, you know, we'll see what our team looks like in the fall to determine whether or not that's, uh, that's the right thing for him and for our group. Uh, going back to the game management, that sounds like it's almost <coughs> Is that a mental issue amongst a lot of your players? Well, not necessarily. Is that something you can coach all the time, or is that just more of a, a mental thing where they need to realize if you not question their work ethic, it's how they're working as far as working smarter? I think it's it's mental, but it's also habitual too. Um, this team in the past, and including this year, we've chased games a lot um, because of bad habits. And when you're chasing games, you tend to gamble more, and you increase the risk, so you live in a chase and risk world. Um, that needs to change when you're in a 2-2 game in the sec late in the second period or in the third period. It doesn't mean you play safe and you're, you retreat. Uh, but you need to learn to manage moments better and I don't think we've experienced that enough. And um, our core, um, our older core, has experienced that for a long time and they need to learn that every moment, every second, every situation is important and you can't pick and choose uh, when, to, um, when to do it right and when to maybe cut a, cut a corner. We're, we're not good enough to do that. How interesting is the, or the conversations between you and Peter in terms of, I don't think this guy can play for me, I've got to get this, get that key, this piece. Uh, but it, it is, that's ongoing throughout the winter. Um, the 
abruptness of it now will go up, but we're not there yet. Like it, we just finished in Vancouver, we're dealing with players. Uh, uh, we're going to start with the staff and work that way, and then get into the players and and coaches and players. Uh, the relationship grows, it diminishes, it changes over time. Um, not every coach fits a player. Not every player fits a coach, and uh, it doesn't mean neither of them are capable of doing what they what they're supposed to do and and have success with it. But uh, when you're building a team environment and a team program. Uh, we all have to be on the same page. We all have to pull in the same direction. Um, it's our job as a staff to set that direction. So we tell the players often that they can, uh, you know, find their game, find their, expose their talent within our our team structure. And the ones that can do that are way more valuable than the ones that uh, try and find their game outside the structure. The coaches are coaches are short term. <laughs> Are generally, general managers are big picture. But in your situation coming in here, uh, to what extent did you go? You have to be a, a lot more big picture. I think we were we were big picture right off the bat because it's everything's new. Um, next year we can be a little more focused and a little more short term. Um, you know, if the group isn't comprehending, and the group meaning the players that have been here in the past, and they're not comprehending simple basic structure stuff that we have in place, you got to wonder what happened to them, or where they went, or where their minds are at. So we get, we get a chance to evaluate really quickly next year. Um, we'll see if they're prepared or willing to make some changes. Um, and it's not magic; it doesn't happen like that. We'll have to look at it incrementally. But um, we were big picture from from the beginning. Um, our emotional level as coaches is in the in the moment. Um, you know, you've seen me really happy. You've seen me upset. Those are moments, and and we live the moment. But the next day, we got to come back and and look at the group, the classroom, and try and make them better. Defensively, look around. Teams again usually have one really good offensive You know, Washington doesn't necessarily have a Really Carlson's pretty good. Well, I think it would help. Um, it certainly would help, and, and um, you know the, the the knowledge base or the uh, of, of the fan and of the media here in Edmonton is exceptional. They understand hockey. They get it. Um, and um, you guys see it like we do. We could we could improve in that area. Of course we could. Um, when I say that, I don't want to slap the eight or 12 or 14 or 16 guys that we had playing back there this year. They give us everything they had. Um, you know, and they hear uh, in the media how it has to improve, and that's got to be a bit of a kick in the, in the wrong spot to them sometimes because they're out there, they're working hard, and they're trying to improve. They, they have a skill set that only gives us so much, and they give us everything they had there. But yes, it's an area that we can improve, and uh, we will try and improve. Uh, but that doesn't let the group off. Um, you know, Bobby Orr is probably not walking through, and I know Paul Coffey isn't. So if we end up with what we have here, how are we making it better? How do they accept more responsibility? What do we do to help them? Defensemen who are good defensive but not offensively gifted, they can't become offensively Well, they can improve, uh, but I don't think we're going to find. Uh, uh, again, that, that Paul Coffey type within our group, it's just not naturally there. 
Um, it would be nice to have that dynamic guy that, uh, you know, and with that dynamic guy, I've seen it before, there's usually a lot of risk at the other end, but we, we can live with that right now because we're missing it a lot. Tom, there's this notion out there that because it's been, you know, for Taylor and Jordan six years, for Ryan, you know, five, for this core group of guys, it's been, you know, months and months of meaningless hockey from January on year after year that maybe in some way, as winners, they're sullied a little bit. Like, can you just talk as a coach what you saw about the habits, how bad it got when it was bad, and why you believe that it's fixable with players that have done this much losing? Well, I go to their, forget about their play, I go to the people first and, and they care. Those three are, um, they wear the Euler logo on their heart more than anybody does here. They've been through a lot, they played um, in front of the fans. Uh, they drive home after their, their meetings yesterday or meetings with you and they feel it. They, it, it cuts deep to them. Um, they want to perform and give the city the best they have. And uh, emotionally it's got to be hard on them, yes. But I do believe in the people, I believe in the individual. The habit part we can improve, we can work on. I do think there was um, strides with some of them. Some of them had down years, but also some of them had some real good improvements in certain areas, and we have to continue to grow that. We have to push them and challenge them not to succumb to to the past and, and to the losing. And I think about other sports. Uh, the Golden State Warriors are a prime example. Like, you know, being from the Bay Area, watching that franchise turn around, some of those players, played through that. Uh, Kansas City Royals, um, you know, the, the, there's players that were on those teams that didn't have a lot of success, but they figured out what they needed to do to win. The organization helped them and augmented it, and they all got together and they had success, and that's what we're hoping to do. You think Steph Curry can play the power play? He would be one of those Paul Coffey dynamic guys. He'd be shooting from outside the red line and scoring often. So when it comes to that young core uh, that Ryan was referring to, you hear some people say they've lost so much that they've become resigned to losing. I mean, you just kind of see that as you know, mumbo, mental mumbo-jumbo? Or is there no, I don't. Uh, again, I know, I think you can, you can see a beaten man. Um, you can see it in, in, in the way he carries himself. They're disappointed. They're emotional about it, but... Uh, they want to win as much as, as anybody does. And um, I watched, I, unfortunately, Nuge wasn't there, but I watched Jordan and, and Taylor win at the World Championships. Yeah, it's a different environment, a different world. But they know how to win. They knew how to do it there. They knew how to do it for, for a month straight. Um, they need a little bit of help uh, from us as a staff, from the organization, and they need to accept a little more responsibility. But uh, if we think those three are just going to be the solution to the problem we're dreaming because it's it's the whole organization the scouts the um, you know the coaches that type of stuff and then anybody else that sits next to them in the locker room everybody has to improve <coughs> both both we'll see what our roster looks like and well, I, Connor's not going anywhere. Yeah, and Nuge, uh, we, you know, he didn't play enough for us to really figure out if he could play the wing or not. I think Nuge is a centerman more than than a winger. Uh, but I think Leon has the ability and the skill, and and I know in talking to him, he's prepared to play wherever. He he just wants to play hockey. 
Um, you know, where is he most effective with his line mates? We'll figure that out as we go. Todd, was it, um, I don't know if disappointment is the right word, but one of the challenges with two players in particular, Nail and Justin, was to maybe try and help them find another level. Uh, was there some disappointment in maybe not being able to, to find a way to help push those yeah. guys over the edge? And, and it affects everybody. We lay up at night, you know, I go home at night and I worry about the team and then you think about individuals and how can we help these, what are we, what are we doing? What, what responsibility do we have in it? Um, you know, and, and Justin's situation, he's done really well. The team's played well in Pittsburgh. We're happy for him. You know, we, we didn't want him somewhere else and, and fail. We wanted him to succeed. So we're happy for him. It's, it's, it's going well. And um, sometimes that's the player doesn't fit the organization anymore. He doesn't fit the, the coaches and, and vice versa. Um, you know, and in Yak's case, he's a, he's a talented, talented young man um, that has, um, you know, a lot of characteristics that teams are looking for. Um, but at some point, you have to, again, find your game within the structure of the team. It's always team first. And I'm not telling you that Yak's a, a selfish individual or anything like that. He's not. But he, we have to find that within the team structure. And... Um, Based on my experience, uh, when you do that, you tend to have individual success off the charts. What do you think the fans out there want to hear from you today, and what can you give them? Well, they they sure don't want to hear the word rebuild and patience, and, and I'm not using that. Um, I think they want to hear that they're considered in the evaluation. Um, so we have to start with them. We have to, to make sure that at least we're giving them an honest effort. And uh, most of the nights we did, um, the Calgary debacle that we had here, I think we clarified that, that again, that it was really important for us to, to perform for them. They want to know that there's hope, um, that we're going the right direction. Um, I think they want to know that there's some stability. Uh, most of them would like to know what's going to happen today. Um, but we can't give them those answers. Uh, Peter and his crew will have some work to do. Um, you know, I, I think that's what they want to hear, but they sure don't want to hear rebuild or patience because I don't want to hear it anymore, and I've only been here a year. Are there some players that, you didn't, that were better than you thought, some of the younger guys? Yes. Well, it goes back to the injury question. We were able to, when we lost key people, you're able to audition some others and you find players. Um, some of the auditions didn't work and it allows us to make assessment and change. Others worked and they're, they're now on the map. One of the hardest things for, for non-NHL players to do is to impress a, a new coaching staff in 14 days. Because I can tell you back at training camp, my eye was much more on Justin Schultz than it was on Jordan Osterley. Just because I felt there was a priority there. And often those young players uh, don't get what they need from us as a staff because we're just overwhelmed with how many players there are. So for Jordan and, and uh, Davey and Pack and, and those type of players to come in, get the opportunity and perform the way they have, they've moved up the totem pole within the organization. Uh, they've been able to expose themselves to the, the staff, the fans and teammates, and the belief system goes up. Um, the tough part will be, and it was the question that was asked of them, what are you going to do to make the team next year? Okay, you got an opportunity. Now, why, why you and not somebody else next year when camp starts? And uh, that'll be up to them. Yeah, Griffin. Well, I, 
I think we could all answer that. I think he was much better um, the, the secondary or third time up um, post-deadline with injuries and stuff like that. So, um, again, it takes some time for, for six foot four, six foot five defensemen to develop, and he needs that. Uh, I would say he's a better player now than he was at the end of the year. He feels more comfortable with us and, and in game situations. He's got some things that he needs to work on. Um, he's very accepting of those things, and I think he'll do everything he can to be a better player come training camp. But the one thing none of our players will do is go to hockey school or, or play in a league over the summer. So most of their gains will come off the rink physically and mentally, and then they've got to be prepared to start again on the ice. So you look at your, your lineup, and you see guys as far as maybe slotted in where they should be slotted in. Fourth line guys who maybe had to play up in a third line role, and then third pairing defense would have to play more. When you talk to Peter, do you go through that analysis? We need guys who can fit this specific role. Like, do you have certain, yep. after seeing a year of seeing maybe Darnell Nurse is better served as a young guy to be third pairing minutes right away, and if he has to moonlight later on, he can't just do yeah, that. Yeah, and that's. That's just really common sense. That's that's working with uh, rosters and, and trying to slot guys in in certain roles, and um, that's dealing with ideals. Uh, you're all healthy. You have all the pieces. Now, where are we going to play them? But you never get that. So we talk. Um, I'll give you an example. I thought Latestu, uh, Hendricks, and Cassian were a tremendous line down the stretch when they played together. That's that's one one really good fourth line because you got a lot of. of um, pieces that can contribute in different ways. We had Cassian penalty killing. So if that happens to be your fourth line, that's a pretty solid group. But you have to understand that they're not going to stay together and they're going to have to go up at some point. So in an ideal world, and we don't live in that, you would have a fourth line created like that. But then you got to ask yourself, okay, out goes so-and-so. Can he go up there and get the job done? And those are the ideal players not just slotted in, in in one position, in one level all year. They have to have the ability to go up and, and perform. Do you find you have enough of those guys that are, are interchangeable from different roles now, having seen them for a year? I, I think we're getting there. The addition of Cassian and Maroon help a lot because they uh, uh, there's sometimes the finishing touches on different types of line. We're talking about Maroon who's playing on line one or two, if you want to call it that, and Cass, you know, finished on lines three and four, but they're the finishing touches and and they're, uh, they're um, an asset or a characteristic that we've lacked a little bit. So they, they've made a difference and, you know, moving forward, we think they can continue to do that. The second half of the question, I'm not sure you got to, well, what do you tell fans? Well, what else do you tell yourself? Like, uh, uh, you know, Peter's determined, obviously, to improve the defense significantly. Uh, uh, you're going to be getting um, rid of some pieces that clearly weren't able to help you mm -hmm. this year that are contracts are up or whatever. And uh, there's a whole bunch of gap space available to them. That well, the, the first thing is look in the mirror. Um, you know, not. There's 30 interviews that we had yesterday. I know not all 30 of them had an opportunity to come up here and address the team. And, and so you're hearing from me as a leader, and, and, and I'm sharing my opinions with you. So it better start with me. I better look in the mirror and, and look at the type of year that, that I had as an individual, how I carried myself, my body language. Uh, did I set the tone right? Um, I made numerous mistakes. So you have to. You know, you have to be willing to admit that. And you look at those situations based on the talent we have. Would I play people differently? Um, and then that filters down into our staff. And um, 
been around long enough and around really good hockey people to know that that's essential. You've got to start with, with yourself and then you've got to go into your staff and you've got to dig deep there and figure out ways that we need to improve. Um, and it can come a number of different ways, how we disperse players, how we you know, roll lines out, matches, tactics, messages, accountability. Um, so we'll, we'll deal with that uh, internally, but it starts with me. I'm, I'm the leader of the group when they get on the ice. Uh, no, you know what, we, to, to be, and I hope it showed in our effort, um, the year's over, would I like to have the first pick? Yes. But I didn't want to be in the lottery. I didn't want to be in last place. Not a single one of us did in there. Um, you know, there was no roster manipulation or anything like that. We were playing to win right to the last minute, and uh, I'm proud of that. And our organization needs that. It's not about coming up with, uh, with the number one pick overall. Now it's over. We hope we win the lottery. But uh, as far as drafting and who we're going to pick, um, I learned a long time ago to stay out of that because when you don't watch players enough, you can influence people the wrong way. One last one. Let's really simplify it. To what extent... Are you convinced you're going to have a better hockey club coach next year? A better hockey club? Well, I just think that the group itself will be better because of the foundation we put in place. Let's assume zero change, um, which isn't going to happen. You can't have 30 guys back. But if we brought the 30 players back and started day one in St. Louis, we're further ahead. We're further ahead because we understand how we want to play. The players and coaches have a better relationship. All the things that I talked about, the boundaries are better established. Um, so that simply should put us further ahead early in the year. After that, it's going to be growth. Uh, it's going to be change. It's going to be tactical change. Uh, those types of things should give us a chance to, uh, to improve. But we also have to remember that 29 other teams are going to do the exact same thing, including the team that wins the cup. No, I, I believe there's going to be some players that are going to go down there and, uh, and play. Uh, I think Peter will have uh, an announcement at some point over the next day or two that, uh, that a group of them are going there. And they're going to go there and, and uh, take uh, their skill set down there and they're going to share it with the players that are there. They'll be able to talk about what happens here and why we had success and failure. Um, I will be able to close the loop with some of them. They'll be able to go back there and, and, and really share and, and compete a little bit longer. First of all, didn't do enough to show you that, okay, I'm definitely going to be counted out as a Well, at this point, no. But uh, in training camp, definitely. You're going to get every opportunity. But we talked about Darnell. I think Jason talked about it. What's the ideal development path? Uh, the goaltender is no different. So if Cam Talbot's going to play 60 games this year and, or pardon me, next year, and LB needs development time, we're not going to fool around with that. We'll, we'll get LB that development time. His experience here, his, the practice is facing NHL shooters. That was part of development. That was really good for him. But now we're talking about 200 days, another year of development. If he's earned it and he's able to maintain it and he's able to improve as a goaltender, he'll be our backup. Uh, third line center with some sure. Could so use. Yeah. Yep. We we would you know we need a lot of things. Yeah, you would. I think your third line can be your um, your swing line. 
you know, if the top two lines neutralize each other, we'll watch it in the playoffs. We're gonna we're gonna assign series to each of the coaches, and um, you know, if you pick the Minnesota Dallas series, if Dallas's top line's better than than uh, Minnesota's, Dallas is winning the series. But if they neutralize each other, it usually comes down to that third line and what can happen there, and maybe uh, D-men three and four, some goaltending, and uh, that's a real important spot and hole that we have to uh, address as well. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, have a good summer.